HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Thurman Maple Days. Celebrate flowing of sap in the Adirondacks, self-guiding to seven sites for talks, tours, tastes, and old-fashioned friendliness. For more information, visit ThurmanMapleDays.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte, and it is just the most lovely day in Brooklyn history, I believe. Uh, the sun's out. It's like 70 degrees. Totally weird. Totally awesome. And I am very happy to have my friend, Kat Kinsman, uh, editor-at-large of Tasting Table. Hey, Welcome. thanks so much for having me. This yeah. is fun. I think we brought the weather back from Charleston You sure did. Us. Yeah, you were just hanging out down in Charleston uh, for the Food and Wine uh, show down there with a bunch of uh, our Heritage Radio people, right? It was so fun to watch them. They had a teepee set up in the middle of this lawn and we're just interviewing people. It was it was fun. It was excellent. And French 75s were flowing all over the place. Oh, my God. Hanging out in a teepee, interviewing each other, drinking French 75s. That sounds like a perfect day. Pretty should, much I mean, happened. I think there should be a teepee... Everywhere, you know, like with a, with a bar and a radio station. In it. I've got one in my soul now, I think. Nice. Um, maybe we'll have to go get buddy tattoos after this of some TVs. <laughs> I'm down. Um, so, yeah, you were drinking a bunch of French. Oh, so you're, you're very well known for being a, a pretty hardcore enthusiast of the French 75 cocktail. And you were saying to me before the show that that was actually the official drink for this year's uh, Charleston show, right? It was. Uh, I was supposed to go down there and judge a competition for them ahead of time. And I ended up snowed in on a runway in Nashville, and I missed the actual judging of it. But I, I got to uh, reap the benefits of it. The winning one was by the bartender at Fish. But you could pretty much go all over town and and, and get them and just flowing freely. And I love to spread the gospel of the French 75 because it's this it's an absolutely perfect, simple drink. Great on a day like today. Great in the dead of winter, too. Yeah, and it's... To me, the French 75 is such a cool drink because of the the options for tweaking it. You know, like, Phil Ward always says that, you know, it's basically like playing Mr. Potato Head with cocktails, you know, swapping out one ingredient for the other. And it's really cool because, like, I mean, think about the Tom Collins. You know, swapping out the seltzer for champagne, you've got a French 75. But then, you know, changing out the... 
the base beer at the gin for anything else. Like you were saying before, you you had one with uh, mezcal this weekend, and you really like that. Um, what are some of the other versions, the other kind of alternate variations uh, that you've had? That well, you really I, like? I'm the least doctrinaire person on the planet <laughs> about this. So, it well, it sort of started, I had my first one at Crook's Corner in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It was on the menu, and my friend Bill Smith, who's the chef there, said, you might like this. And he had no idea that he was starting out an absolute obsession for me. And they're so customizable. It's sort of like a, you were saying Mr. Potato Head. That's an absolutely perfect analogy for it, because the two traditional base spirits are either or cognac um, for your sweetener. You can either have something like Cointreau or simple syrup. Uh, pretty much lemon is pretty standard, but you could do lemon, lime. I'm not going to yell at you. <laughs> and then uh, whatever sparkling wine you happen to have. So uh, I've had them with, uh, with their, it can be kava. It can be, um, I was at Fig while I was down in Charleston and they were doing a beautiful Italian uh, bubbly wine there. I've had them with, with ginger. Um, the base spirit can change out and be mezcal. It can be, you know, it can, I, I, I tend to pick cognac over gin, but it can be absolutely every, anything you want. So long as it honors the spirit of those those basic elements, you're good to go. I mean, I, I'm pretty much a traditionalist. My, my favorite one is the one at the French 75 bar, shockingly mm-hmm. enough. But uh, I just love going and seeing what happens when I order one. Yeah. It, you know, it was really funny. Uh, Monday night, I was at my bar at Grand Army and uh, none, other, none other than uh, Chris Hanna from uh, our notes from 75 bar <laughs> just rolls in and he's like hey damon he just sits like very quietly like snuck in sits at the first bar seat and i'm just like where the hell did you come from what are you doing here man and uh he was like yeah i'm just just here for an army night training just a couple days i had to get away from uh new orleans for a little bit and i was like dude it's so funny that you're here because i actually have cat kinsman coming on my radio show this week and we're gonna definitely be talking about french 75s um but yeah i i really like the r notes we're actually later today we're gonna go to my bar and make some of the r notes version too with cognac i i love that version i i feel like cognac has over the last few years started to really come back into play in in classic cocktails i mean it's always been there but i feel like it's it's kind of like started a, a, a new life recently and it, that's such a great example of a cocktail that you can make for someone to kind of turn them onto. because for so long it was like uh like basically just like mixed with coke or, or seltzer and it wasn't really and it can be a little sweet depending on you know if it's a VS, vsp like um but it's a very versatile spirit and it's beautiful you know especially with something that comes out citrusy and floral like a french 75 yeah i I feel like maybe people get intimidated by the fact that it feels a little bit pinky up you feel like i don't know fraser and niles are going to be sitting there (laughs) you know sniffing cognac or something like that maybe and and i think there's that intimidation factor of it but maybe if you start people off with brandy a little bit and and bring them up to to cognac but also you mentioned armagnac uh so i went to the bar at husk and uh weaver roderick weaver is just one of my favorite bartenders on the planet there um, just sort of showed up with one and said, here, you're drinking this. And it was an Armagnac French 75. And it's I, it, they, they happen to me. So it, I, I like them so much. I st- so the, the sort of part of the backstory was also that I started posting them on Instagram with the hashtag French 75 gram. And I uh, just kept doing that. And then I, all of a sudden I noticed that people were knowing. So oftentimes if I go in a restaurant or a bar, one will just show up because somebody wants to, you know, play around with the format a little bit. But that Armagnac one, I'm telling you, there was a beautiful little smokiness to it um, served in a tall glass. Just really beautiful. The glassware switches up all the time, which amuses me. Yeah. I mean, like 
whether it be a coupe or a flute. Yeah, that's that that's a huge to me. One of the things when we're developing cocktails at the bar, it's like it's amazing to me how much a drink will change just based on the glassware. Oh yeah, it's it's got to be fun. Like first of all, people, I, I think people get in their own way um, in, in enjoying cocktails. People are so just precious about it, and I, I really feel like with this drink because it, it's so versatile, I've been able to really sort of up my fun quotient, and, and I think bartenders are having fun with it too because it'll show up, um, you know, often in a flute, but sometimes in a pint glass, sometimes over ice, sometimes with with tons of fruit in it, um, all kinds of variations, mason jars. I don't think there's a glass. I haven't had friends 75 in yet. And I welcome every single one of them. There's the great thing about this is there's no way to make it wrong. I, I think that you're, I would have one out of a hollow out pineapple. <laughs> that would know? be delicious. That would be delicious. A pineapple friend 75. Are you kidding me? All right. We're, okay. I think we're, I think Write we've invented down. something new. Right? <laughs> oh, you know, at the Cecil, they do one with some uh, Thai basil in it and call it a Thai 75. And it's just beautiful. I've had a, uh, I was at um, a place in Raleigh and oh, at Garland in Raleigh, and they made a Tahitian seventy-five. Uh, and just cool. these little bitty variations are a beautiful thing. Well, it's it's so cool because you still get the foundation of what the drink is, you know, with all these very. You should write a book about. I wrote an article for Gravy Magazine about it, and it's called I, I forget. Oh, it's called "I'll Take My Chances" because <laughs> people get really nervous about. Uh, serving them to me because they know I drink so many of them. And in fact, I was at one of my favorite uh, neighborhood restaurants, uh, Thistle Hill Tavern in Park Slope. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the bartender, uh, I think it was somebody who was, who's brand new there and wasn't exactly sure what they're doing. I said, oh, basically, you know, here's what, if somebody doesn't know how to make it, I'll just, you know, say, oh, here are the things if you want to try it. Um, and I never sort of push the issue if, if they seem really confused. I'm like, I'll, I'll just have some Prosecco. Um, but he came, he showed up at my table with a pint glass and, and, and I, and, and fruit and the head bartender came running over and said really nervously and saying oh my oh my god I just noticed who he was making that for and I'm really sorry I'm like, no it was one of the best ones I'd had who's going to complain about a pint glass full of <laughs> yeah if you do that if you complain about that that it's not made correctly you're just a jerk that's like a French 750. I think it is. Well, people have started making, um, and, and I get tagged in all these French 75 things now. Um, a friend of mine does a, sort of a road show kind of thing. He travels around, makes red beans and rice, and he was making a large format French 75 that he was calling a French 7500. <laughs> Dude, I, we, <laughs> actually, one of the drinks that we're going to have later uh, was one that I came up with when I was at Prime Meats, and Max, our old uh, GM and wine director there, he, uh, who actually just moved back from Charleston. He was down there for a while. Uh, he, I have this one called the Setente Cinco, which is Spanish for 75. Uh, it's tequila, agave, lemon, uh, creme de violette, and bubbles. And he would order trescientos because he would just slam these things. And I couldn't find, basically, I'd have to make them like, like a quadruple of this drink. And we couldn't find a vessel big enough, so... <laughs> <laughs> he started drinking them out of uh, French presses because it was the biggest <laughs> glass that we could find in the bar. That, that is amazing. I mean, I, for that kind of volume, I've started uh, just at my own parties at my house making what I call the batter for it. So it's sort of everything but, but the, the fizz. Yeah. yeah. And I was uh, at a, staying at a hotel in Charleston not so long ago, and I went into my room and they had left three uh, jars 
with the base of it in there. They wanted to do three different variations. I think there was one with ginger, and um, there was another one. It was it was sort of it's a pink color to it, and said, you know, take these home and uh, you know, and add your bubbles to it. And you bet your butt that I during the the blizzard, those <laughs> came into play. That's awesome. It's a great thing. Yeah, I. That just made me think. I mean, like Aperol is another good mm. addition to a French seventy-five. You said yeah, it was had a pink color to it. Like I feel like Aperol and Campari are just great for that drink. Oh my gosh, because you know it's a spiritual cousin to the Aperol Spritz, which I love yeah. so much. Yeah, everything's better with bubbles. I know, and you're talking about this uh, large format container for. I was just thinking, like right when we started the show today, like how nice it is outside, and how I would love to just like be in the park with a giant jar of French 75s. Well, isn't, didn't they just decriminalize public drinking? I was, okay, so let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if it actually applies to the other boroughs. I think it's just the borough of Manhattan, but would that be, I mean, it's all NYPD, so like, Oh, I don't we're going to have to, we're going to have to get a lawyer on the phone and find out because yeah. I think you, it's I, like you just get a ticket, you won't get arrested now. Is that what it that's, is? I'm pretty sure that's what it is. <laughs> oh, well, it's like what they did with pot, you know. It's like a small summons now. I, I, I I'm going to find out before I chance it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you not, should do that. I'm like, I'd rather not pay the ticket. Right. I, I would rather just be. You I'm know. not a lawyer. I'm just a French 75 <laughs> enthusiast. I, I mean, that would be a great. That would be a great roadie, actually. <laughs> Yeah, well, in, in in New Orleans, you can take one around as as a as a roadie, and uh, you know, and that's been that's been one of my favorite things since I started drinking these is just like walking around, stumbling around the streets of New Orleans with one in hand in oh, a yeah. go cup. It's a beautiful thing. And it's like it tells the cocktail. Everyone's like <laughs> just sloppy walking around with French seventy fives. <laughs> I've never been able to dare for, uh, tells the cocktail. I, I don't. I don't love crowds. Uh, you know, and, and and it's in July. I'm I'm going to BevCon this year in Charleston, and I'm incredibly excited about that. Nice. I've never been in Charleston. I I know that like from what I've heard, it's a good food scene, drink scene, but I've just never been, and it's pretty close to here i just don't i don't know what's kept me from going there but i hear it's beautiful okay so we're gonna get tattoos and we're gonna hop a plane to charleston <laughs> and we're gonna publicly drink some french 75s i think we have a day planned here i it sounds like the perfect day <laughs> it does doesn't it why hasn't this happened yet um yeah that's you know and also the french 75 is a perfect drink for being a tilsa cocktail because like you said it's in july it's so hot, and you just want something refreshing. And there's no amount of those frozen daiquiris that that are going to fix that because they're just loaded with sugar. I mean, it's it's so much fun to like order like a 44 ounce styrofoam cup of frozen whatever at the uh, daiquiri shacks, but. Man, you just really regret it. If you can make it through to the end, you're definitely going to regret it. Oh, yeah, because we, well, we were talking before the show about, you know, sort of what we get hangovers from and what we what we do and what we don't. And can you imagine, like, I haven't had a Sazerac hangover, but I, I know that there's got to be one in my future. I'm going to New Orleans in a couple of weeks. That's not going to be cute. Oh, man. It's, I will tell you from experience, it is not cute. <laughs> How about a brandy milk punch hangover? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to test any of these. Uh, um, <laughs> um, but I mean, in moderation, of course, I think that's fine. Um, yeah. You know, like what we were also talking about before the show, I can't really drink cheap champagne, nor would I want to, <laughs> uh, cause I get a pretty bad hangover. Um, which I'm sure I'm not alone there. That's but to me, like whenever I make a French seventy five for myself, it's like I always use really really good bubbles, and then I always use 
I have like a collection of like vintage spirits and stuff. So I have like I have like an old bottle of Tinkeray from the '60s, and you know that's it makes a really cool French '75. Ooh, I like that spirit of experimentation too. You know, when I when I make up at home, I you know I, t- I tend to grab sort of whatever I have just because I do want to switch it up all the time. Um, the only bad ones that I've ever had are when they haven't freshly squeezed the lemon that you can just, you can yeah. really, really tell the difference on that. And if they're using a really sweet bubble in there, then there's, there's just something I'll still drink it, but I'd say out of the hundreds I must've had, there are only maybe two or three ever that I've, I've just sort of thought, you know, I'm finishing it just, you know, sort of to finish it or, to, or I pass it around the table or, you know, something happens, but there really aren't a whole lot of ways to screw it up. You know what? The other trick I've, I do, sometimes I'll put a Luxardo cherry in the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I know the tradition is, you know, a little bit of, of garnish, like just a little bit of, of the peel on there, but yeah. I, I like, that's a really fun way to customize them too. And I've started, um, at Batard I, cause I go in there all the time and get them. Um, they've started building these lemon peel, almost sculptures that are coming out of the glass. That's other shavings that are propped up by toothpicks or there was one that looked like Cthulhu like just <laughs> crawling out of the glass and I'm never not delighted I mean it's a delightful drink so <laughs> I I totally understand that <laughs> um, let's take a quick break and when we get back we'll continue talking with Cat Kingsman and today's break music called Third Degree Rug Burns by Star. we will be right back on the speakeasy Today's program was brought to you by Thurman Maple Days. Celebrate flowing of sap in the Adirondacks, self-guiding to seven sites for talks, tours, tastes, and old-fashioned friendliness. Maple syrup lovers unite. How was maple syrup made 100 years ago? What are the current practices? What are sugar shacks? Visit Thurman County and go on the maple syrup tour of a lifetime for three glorious weekends to celebrate the start of spring and the end of cabin fever. ThurmanMapleDays.com has all the information you need. Watch sap being gathered and boiled and see how a certified tree farm makes maximum use of the wood from maple and other trees. Enjoy a whole day of fun activities, demonstrations, sampling, and shopping for delectable goodies, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day. Like pancakes? Of course you like pancakes. Pancake breakfast at Valley Road Maple Farm is available each day, beginning at 9 a.m. and running until 1 p.m., so you won't have to miss a minute of tour time. If you can already taste the maple syrup, visit ThurmanMapleDays.com to find out more. And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And in the studio today, we have the lovely Kat Kinsman, editor-at-large for Taste and Table magazine, and French 75 enthusiast. And we were just talking about that cocktail. And yeah, I, you asked me during the break what my favorite one that I've had uh, where where it was and i mean i have, do have to say that at our nodes yeah it's <laughs> great because uh, it's i mean you gotta you gotta drink the drink that uh, you know the namesake cocktail for the place um but it is very good there but i also had one at there's one that they do from uh pegu club that's essentially a french 75 variation like you're saying like swapping out the lemon for lime uh the old cuban is actually a rum version with lime and it's very nice. It's and in Brooklyn, I'll say Angela Waterhouse at at Stone Park, and she also tends bar at Year In. Um, she asks me a vital question. Nobody tends to ask um, gin or cognac. 
And usually I'll take whatever I'm given, but she gives me the option and I always go for a cognac on there. And it's just really fun. Um, but you were saying the French 85 bar, the other part of that is that it's the experience of it because if you sit down and you start talking with Chris Hanna, if he's there behind the bar, I was there last Easter Sunday and he happened to be working at 10 in the morning, which I'm thinking, don't you get a day off, man? He will hand you a four page essay, an imaginary conversation that he uh, is, is having about the origin of the French 75, which is, uh, you know, greatly disputed. Um, Mashable did a piece last week about Friend 75s, and they definitively uh, said it was one thing, but it's not. Uh, it's it's so in dispute where these actually came from. Yeah, I mean, well, the way I'd always understood it, it was actually a British drink. That's why it's typically made with gin, but then the French part, uh, that's why people make it with cognac. So I, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't have the... Uh, the history down for it. But. Oh, yeah. There are all sorts of arguments about where it came from. It could have been Harry's Bar. It could have been, uh, I think, bars in France, bars in, in London. And, and uh, the whole thing. And people say that the reason it's called a French 75 is that's a particular um, artillery shell. Mm-hmm. And they say having two of these is like one of those going off next to your head. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I, you know, I love a drink that doesn't have a definitive origin because you can just layer that on top of it. I always say that about like my friends that I have that uh, we we can't remember or we don't really know like how we met. We just know that we're friends. Yes, and we, we can't. We don't remember the place, the, who introduced us, or how, or what year it was. And that's that to me is really that's a beautiful thing. It just happened, yeah. and like you don't even know. It's just you're, one one day you're friends all of a sudden. Yeah. I, you know, this weekend at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, I, I found a biscuit in my purse and I wasn't really sure how it got there, but clearly that was supposed to be in my purse because I really needed that the next morning <laughs> after uh, going around town a bit. Uh, and yeah, so, so of course I ate it. it, but it just happened. The universe sent me a biscuit. It's like the, like the universe just sends you friends sometimes. Yeah. Oh man. That, you know, I'm just thinking about that commercial we just heard about pancakes. I know. Doesn't maple syrup sound like a really great thing to try out in a French 75? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would probably throw bourbon in that one. <laughs> Wait, isn't that... I think there's a variation. Is that the 76? There's something like that. That There is an official variation that has bourbon in it. Oh, man. There's so many. There's so many. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, maple syrup is such an awesome thing. They, like for a cocktail ingredient, it's... It's so awesome. it's so versatile, but like it, it it has such a specific flavor, but it works well with almost everything. I've been drinking it recently with uh, well, we were talking about uh, brand Copper and Kings mm-hmm. does a really really lovely apple brandy. I was in Louisville recently and ended up having a fantastic cocktail uh, at the bar at the Twenty One C there, and it was just fantastic. It just like they all those notes played really beautifully, and it, and the the syrup and the you know and, and and the apple brandy, and it just yeah. Like yeah. a door to Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, shameless that, plug. They do support heritage that's radio. True. That was <laughs> very, that was very good. Thank that you. was natural, Brett. <laughs> so <brother>. natural. <laughs> um, yeah. So, all right. You know, you have a book coming out soon. I do. And it's something I am. I can't wait to read it because it's something I deal with a lot. Uh, you know, if if it weren't like trying to track down all the French seventy five recipes in the world that would give me anxiety, it's you know running bars and you know, I mean you you must deal with the subject quite a bit to have written a book about it. But you're a very 
busy person and that, that can really cause a lot of anxiety so can, can you tell me about the book yeah it's called high anxiety and it, <laughs> it com- i'm still finishing it up right now um but it comes out in august on august 30th hopefully and it's about you know I, i've talked to a lot of people in the course of it but mostly it's about uh you know my life as a very anxious person and how i've come to manage it and you know spoiler alert i haven't cured it uh, but it's <laughs> uh, really about how i've learned to live with the anxieties in my life track them down to you know, some of the cause of it um been cool with the fact that i'm really probably never going to be okay and that and giving myself permission not to be totally okay has been incredibly freeing and a beautiful thing and the more i talk about it the more people talk about it to me and i recently started a website called chefs with issues and it's uh you know covers the whole industry not just chefs um because i realized when i was interviewing chefs like other for a tasting table before that at at cnn inevitably they at some point in the interview um we'd stop and we'd start talking about mental health issues and because people are under so much incredible stress and anxiety and, and all that um you know things it, it, it really takes a number on your your mental health and people are self-medicating in a whole lot of ways people right. don't have uh, money for insurance they don't have insurance through work so you know i've tried to start a, lot a of shift drinks <laughs> oh so many shift drinks and, and worse things yeah all, all these things so I, I started a survey on the site to sort of track these and i have almost 1200 responses to that right now wow. and i'm working with a group called the heirloom foundation and we're publishing a report from the survey. And I met with them. Actually, I know I keep talking about Charleston, but it was pretty formative this weekend. What's happening in Charleston? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the people who I'm working with are um, are based there. And what we were talking about is starting a hotline. So you get off shift and, you know, there's not a gym open, not a church open. Your friends aren't up. You can call it and there will be, you know, another chef or a psychologist at the end of, of the, the other end of the line and can help talk you to a better decision than you might be making at the time. Oh, man, that's amazing. You know, being, I don't know, just a business owner and a bartender, just even just being a bartender, like, it's, you know, I, to me, it's, you know, you're always on stage. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure to perform and keep your cool. And, and you know, you've got a host and you've got to be, like, the captain of the ship. And, like, it's, it's really nerve-wracking. I mean, it's, and it's also, like, taking something that, you know, you love doing and then putting pressure on that in in a pretty intense way and that that can really like drive you crazy <laughs> yeah I, I can absolutely imagine and then by the nature of what you do you're you're changing the emotional state of your customers for the better or sometimes for the worse depending on how they happen to be able to handle their drink and if they're sitting at the bar they're right in front of you there's absolutely no escape yeah. and some people behave really well and some people don't and i know the economics are, of that are funny too some people might tip better uh, than others and you know to be able to compartmentalize that i imagine has to be incredibly difficult because you know, you might be able to just check that at the door, but also somebody might have been a total jerk to you and you carry that out of the bar with you. Yeah. I, I know, I know quite a few bartenders who they're, they're excellent, like top notch bartenders, but they, they're very prideful and like, uh, in a, this certain way where they take it so personally, if, 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 you know, being in the service profession and being in hospitality, we really want to create this great experience and and if you don't feel like you've done that like some bartenders some chefs you know uh front of the house everybody i mean like they they'll take it like so personally and then it 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 just drives them into a, a dark place you know and it's 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 unfortunate you know and like i mean there's that that strive uh, 
uh, for perfection, you know. And and like you said before, it's like realizing that that you know it's not going to be perfect, yeah. <laughs> you know. And well, I really feel like we can do better, and you know, especially as you know, as a writer and help with this, make better customers. And that's the thing is, like the customer, I think there are a lot of them out there who just expect to be able to to sit down and have things happen at them. And yeah. I would love to have more of, a, you know, public dialogue about a diner or a drinker's role in the experience that they end up having. I mean, that's part of why I'm so easy about my friend 75s, you know, sure. because it's my favorite drink. But, um, you know, this piece I, that I wrote was about how you're not going to screw it up because I, I'm happy to take whatever comes my way. And then if I'm getting another one, then maybe we can have a conversation about like, oh, what did you like about that? What did you not like about that? Mm-hmm. But as a customer, you know, yes, you want what you want and it should be great. But if if nobody's going to know your exact tastes. And sure. so if you like something a little bit more, um, ha- have a conversation with the person who is serving you your drink. Just treat them like a human being and yeah. everybody's going to end up so much happier. And don't go crabbing about them on Yelp afterwards. Do something yeah. while you're actually there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that to me, when I when I go out, uh, when I get the rare opportunity where I'm not working, <laughs> Or maybe it's late, and right. that's probably another reason why I have anxiety the next day. Um, but uh, you know, I I try to be like just a delightful customer. Yes, and and I definitely know a lot of a lot of my clientele that comes to the bar. They they're that kind of person too, and they they realize like we we all should realize that like it's not extremely common to be able to go out to these great bars and restaurants and. And get to have that experience, you know. A lot of people don't have that, and we do live in a we we live in kind of a bubble. I <laughs> yes, mean, to be honest, true. but uh, you know, it's it's. I think that for the most part, uh, custom people are becoming better customers. Um, but then there's still that you know those people like I said before, like they'll just kind of like think the real change. They'll really change your your shift or your day by by being kind of uh, unresponsive or. Uh, it's kind of difficult when it's not really necessary. Yeah. Uh, am I allowed to swear? Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, okay, good. Uh, John Currens, uh, who I love from uh, City Grocery in Oxford, Mississippi, says sometimes somebody comes in and you just can't unfuck their day. And <laughs> you just have to be cool with the fact that you know nothing you do is going to make this person happy. And you can't absorb that yourself you yeah. know it's it's not your role you know I, I know there's that you know great mythology of the bartender as therapist and and all that stuff but the person has to be open i mean i, I think it's you know you'll have a better experience if you come in there prepared to have a really great experience and yeah i think being a delightful customer is a fantastic art and um there's a there's a website that i've fallen in love with recently called the restaurant manifesto and it's really about uh breaking down that barrier between the the customer and uh, you know and either the bartender or back of house and explain some things like why you probably shouldn't just ask oh can you fire up some apps how that's going to screw everything down the line or you know why your whole party might need to be there before you're seated all those kind of things and it really breaks those things down and you know I almost wish there was some sort of like diner's handbook that you could get that isn't just about like the best restaurants to go to and all this stuff but how to be in in those and I know people say oh the customer is always right all that stuff well no, that was Sam Walton said that, and he's <laughs> ruined a, 
billion small businesses over yeah. the years. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a whole, there are a whole lot of great apps uh, out there that, you know, tell you where to go. And I'll put in a plug. Tasting Table has a really great one called Dine, which if you haven't downloaded, it's really spectacular. And it, you know, you sort of pick the, you know, the kind of mood of the place and all that. So, uh, you know, there are all those, those apps that tell you where to go, but I wish there was something that... You know that, that told you just how to how to be, and I just think if if you look your your server, your bartender, um, in the eye and have a, a conversation with them and let them read you, and you just exchange human energy, yeah. your whole experience is going to be better. Even if your drink wasn't perfect, you're going to remember how you felt there. Yeah, Danny Meyer should do a follow up to setting the table. And call it sitting at the table. You're up, you know, he does that institute. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my husband's in real estate and he actually had some of his team go there so they could learn how to apply principles of hospitality to the real estate, uh, to the real estate transactions. And it's changed everything they do. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing what a little bit of hospitality can do. Humanity. Yay, humans. Yeah. Well, I don't think that uh, I would ever experience anything bad around you. And uh, I really appreciate you having the time to come here and be on the radio today. Um, you're, you're a lovely person. You and are I can't a delight wait to- of a human. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to spend the rest of the afternoon with you. Uh, now we're going to go. We talked about Friend 75 so so much now that we've built up a pretty hefty thirst. Um, so, yeah, why don't we boogie over to Green Army and... Have some French 75. Hey, cheers. All right, cool. Thanks again for coming on the show today. I'd love to have you back anytime. Thanks so much. So totally my pleasure. Awesome. All right. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. Tune in to Heritage Radio Network for so many more awesome shows. Check them all out. All right. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.